This week's episode of the Getting to Know podcast is brought to you by AAPI Heritage Month. Today, we honor and celebrate our Asian American and Pacific Islander employees. Hey, everybody, it's Mike Rickheim. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Getting to Know podcast. Today, I'm joined by customer service extraordinaire, Ying Chan, who's here to talk to us not only about herself and her role and help us get to know her, but also to talk to us about Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So, Ying, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend time with us today on the Getting to Know podcast. Oh, you are very welcome. That's quite an introduction. Actually, I feel like it was a great introduction too. You have a lot to be proud of as a result of that. And so we're going to get more into you and what you do for us and what you're all about and what makes you tick. But talk to me first about Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month and what that means to you and those you love and those you're closest to. Honestly, before this, I haven't really given too much thought about it because I just feel like you know, I'm Asian, living in America. What's the big deal? But doing this podcast actually makes me to really think about my heritage, who I am, where I came from. And I am glad to say that I'm pretty proud of who I am. Well, that's great. Good for you. So how long have you been who you are with Nina? It's almost five years almost five years with Nina. And where are you based, Ying? I am in Western Massachusetts. Used to be in East Low Meadow office. In Western Massachusetts. So I said customer service extraordinaire, but tell me a little bit more about what it is that you do on a, on a day-to-day basis. Well, I mean, the customer service, it really feels like this job is not as easy as it seems. Maybe the title didn't sound very fancy, but we definitely feel like we do it all. You know, we are a bridge in between customers and our people in the organization throughout different departments. You know, we represent our customer and we are a problem solver. We hope to bring the best solution to the customer and what's good for Nina. That's great. So, yeah, I... I don't think it sounds simple at all. What I find in what I do is people are peculiar creatures, are they not? So you're dealing with them all over the place, both sides of that bridge. Yeah, and um, and then on top of it, you have international customers. So sometimes I feel like when you're dealing with international customer, you kind of have to think about who are they? Where they come from? You have to respect their culture as well. So you you throw that in a mix. It's actually quite a bit. And when you say culture, are you talking about the whole thing, the broadest definition of culture? Language, how you address certain customer. Like if I am dealing with a Japanese customer, I always, in my in the way that I address them, I always put their name and I put the word son because that's the respectful way to address a Japanese customer. So I'm not Japanese, but I know that about their culture and I will follow that practice. So is that is that something, Ying, that you feel like you're aware of because of your heritage, even though you're not Japanese? 
um, you're more sensitive around that based on your Asian heritage? Um, I think it's based on experience and curiosity. So going back to, so you've been with us for five years. Uh, you're sitting in Western Mass. Talk to me about the early days. Like where, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Tell me about the family in the early days. Oh, that's um, pretty interesting. I was born in Fujian, China, but I have moved to Hong Kong when I was two years old. Well, that's what my parents told me. <laughs> I don't remember what happened when I was two, but I grew up in Hong Kong my early childhood until I have to move to America, which is when I was like about 14. And I've been living in Massachusetts ever since I moved here. Okay, so born in mainland China, where geographically is your birth town? It's right across from Taiwan. Okay. It's directly across from Taiwan. So that's a big physical move down to Hong Kong and probably Culturally, I would think very different for your family. I know you were two, so you might not remember that as much. But culturally, I, I, I assume very different being in Hong Kong. It is very different. And I, growing up, I know that my household, it's a little different than the West of the, um, the Hong Kongese. I, well, I I made up this word myself. I don't know if that's a actual nationality, but I like to call myself a honky, Hong Kongese. <laughs> I've heard something like that before from somebody from Hong Kong. It's yep. not a word that I would use for them, <laughs> but if they want to use it, I feel like it's totally appropriate, right? So, so yeah. you feel like you are you identify as being from Hong Kong. Is there a distinction in your mind between mainland China and Hong Kong? Yes, absolutely. Culturally, very different. And to what we believe, it's very different as well. I mean, Hong Kong was ruled um, under the British. So we So like have, the late 90s, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Funny enough, you know, I did not make that connection because... I moved here in the year of 1997. Oh. And people thought that I flee Hong Kong because Hong Kong was returning to China. And I was like, wait a minute. I didn't make the two together. Yeah. Plus you <laughs> were just, 13. So you might not have had a ton of choice in that decision, right? Exactly. Well, I, I think my mom actually did give me a choice. But I think that was still not a choice. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it is interesting, and that was what I was curious about in, in asking about the distinctions between mainland China and Hong Kong. So I grew up in the Midwest in the U.S. My dad was a firefighter. We um, didn't travel much domestically, much less internationally. So when I started going to Asia, I had this, this uh, I guess you could say almost a mentor uh, who talked about the fact that we had this foothold in Hong Kong, and it was a great way to kind of use that as a base to, to, to work from there in Asia because of the Western influence that, that was there. So just the language 
you know, it was easier to get around language wise. Uh, you would recognize probably a lot more of the cuisine in certain places and so forth. So is that, is that kind of your experience? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like in Hong Kong, you will see, first of all, it's a very diverse city. You living in Hong Kong, you see all sorts of people, like no matter where you came from, you will find a different type of people living in Hong Kong, which is really great because you get to try a different kind of food, you know, Vietnamese food, Thai food, Indian food, French, anything you can name of, it's available in Hong Kong. And when you mention about like, it's easy to get around in Hong Kong, which is very true because everything is bilingual. It's both in Chinese and English. Yeah, I found that, um, and again, this goes back, but Shanghai was growing like crazy at that time. And my experience in Shanghai as an American uh, and my ability to just kind of navigate, whether it was cabs or restaurants, was just far easier for me in, in Hong Kong. And I think what you were just saying makes sense based on the, the, the dual languages that, that are spoken, right? So, so a melting pot, I guess, for that region was Hong Kong, but, but, but still, you know, a long way away from here. And, you know, while the U.S. likes to think of itself as a melting pot, I'm curious, was that your experience as a 13-year-old moving to Western Massachusetts? Did it feel like a melting pot to you compared to where you were coming from? Um, <laughs> you want to hear the truth? <laughs> I would love the truth. Yeah, I have All a feeling right. I know, I, I have a sense for that. Um, to be honest, I don't think... Um, Growing up here as a kid was exactly easy um, for me. I don't feel like, you know, coming to America, I had this idea that, oh, America is great because it's very diversified, just like being in Hong Kong. And I think I was expecting that people are very acceptance of other culture and they're kind, they're nice. Oh boy, was I wrong. <laughs> no, I don't, I experienced probably um, racism. Yeah. Living and growing up here. Not until um, I got older and be able to defend myself and be able to learn how to stand up on my own feet. So overall, it's good because it makes me who I am nowadays and it makes me as a stronger person. Is the Western Massachusetts Asian population and or more specifically Chinese American population significant or is it a, is it a small community? Back in the days, it was not that much. And in fact, there were very little Chinese population around this area. But there is a good amount of Vietnamese in this area. And so that's who I tend to hang out more. When I first moved here, they made me feel very welcome. And um, they were very protective of me. And I, I, I very much appreciate the warm welcome from them. Yeah, that's great. When we 
talked to Eric Hernandez about uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, he pointed out that, you know, we, we call it Hispanic Heritage Month. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here. But there's all these different nationalities and cultures and so forth. So, um, you know, it's almost overbroad to refer to as just Hispanic or Latino. Do you have a sense, like, is, is your view similar around the, the, the term Asian American in that, you know, we're lumping together a whole bunch of different cultures, experiences, nationalities, languages, or is it something that you find is a grounding kind of collection of, of people where you've got, you know, a commonality with? What's, what's your what's your view? Well, I feel like you have to, right? You have to address it as Asian American to make everyone to feel more inclusive and not specifically addressing or honoring one specific group of Asian. And we can, you know, I, I feel like calling it Asian American, it's, it helps to bring the connectiveness of different nationality, different culture together. And it's a, it actually feels good to be inclusive, even though you are not one specific nationality. And I can give you an example because growing up here in Springfield, Mass, there is a pretty good amount of, um, population of Vietnamese. So in here, in this area, they organize a Lunar New Year celebration. And they call it Lunar New Year celebration. It's, you know, instead of calling it Chinese New Year, it's because they want to be inclusive for all other people who celebrate New Year as an Asian. You can be a Cambodian. And actually, when I attended this event, I met different group of Asian. There are Laos, Vietnamese, Chinese, Cambodian, and Vietnamese. And it's nice to like celebrate a holiday with other nationality besides just, you know, being Chinese or being your Vietnamese. Yeah. And and probably very similar experiences. Like the the things that you described. Coming here as a thirteen-year-old, I would I would imagine you know many of those those people dealt with some of those situations as well, both positively and and maybe challenges-wise, right? Yeah, most definitely. And well, after I moved here and when I was registering to go to school, I chose to have myself stay back for two years because I learned that this middle school they actually have a ESL program. So I didn't have like this belongingness where I'm situated. So I want to find a group of people uh, or a group of friends who can support me through this, the beginning of journey where I'm moving from one culture to a very different culture, whether it's language, people or food. So I just looking for that comfort zone. So I, I, I decided to stay back for two years to go to this school where they offered this ESL program. And the ESL program is led by a teacher who actually speak my language. Is that Mandarin or Cantonese or? <laughs> it's Cantonese. Cantonese, okay. Yep. Cantonese. 
That's great. That's great from an education and experience standpoint. Yeah, I well, my parents were very angry with me that I have made that decisions without consulting with them. Oh, but I do what I think is best for me. Yeah, to help myself to adjust, to just adjust into this culture and to find some connection where I can relate to other people and not feeling so alone. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. Now, I am a um, really big Boston Red Sox fan on the other side of the state, and I've spent a decent amount of time in Western Mass. So I love the area that you're in, but I'm curious in this great big country, coming from Hong Kong by way of mainland China as a two-year-old, how did you end up where you are and why do you stay? I ask myself this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I live in Massachusetts? As I grow older, I actually don't like Massachusetts. I'm not yet. I'm not a West Coast fan. I'm not a Patriot fan. <laughs> I feel like I live in the wrong state. But moving, um, it wasn't much by choice. It's because my. We have like family members who live in this area, so my family thought it the easiest thing is to move where her brother, like my mom's brother, is, which is in Springfield area. So okay, I live here. I grew up here. In my late childhood, I went to college here. So I, I don't know. I. Been living here for a very long time. Yeah. Now, is your is your family still in that area too? Yep, my family are still here. It feels like we are very rooted here now. You know, I'm not married, but I have a brother. He has like three kids. His his kids love it here. They would not even feel like they would move outside of Massachusetts. And there are things that you can love and appreciate in Massachusetts. Yeah. So um, it's not all bad. I just don't like the weather. <laughs> uh, that's fair. That's fair enough. Fair enough. So, what has your experience been like being an Asian American here at Nina? Honestly, I don't feel any difference. I felt like people are very. Acceptance, and I don't. Well, I don't know if this is culturally insensitive, but I don't think they really label me as Asian American. They label me as Yin. They label me as colleagues. They don't really like. Oh, she looks different. She may sound different. No, it doesn't feel like that. I don't go a day feeling like. Oh, I'm Asian, and I'm different from other people. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that、um, because you are Ying first before all of that stuff. So that's 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 great to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Do you find yourself longing for or missing any aspects of your life in Hong Kong? Um, I think from time to time. I do wonder what if I didn't move here, what would my life have been? I think it may end differently. It would definitely end differently, but I just don't know. 
But I have actually went back to、um, Hong Kong few times with my old job, which is Fibermark.、Um, that's one of my old employee,、uh, and Nina has acquired Fibermark. So when I went back there for business, it was very eye opening. I actually felt like I don't belong there. <laughs> It's just you. You had been removed for so long that it. Yeah. You'd kind of moved on and felt the difference. I assume. Yeah, I mean, even my friends, they point out to me that I walk slower. Interesting. <laughs> Than any of the normal people who live in the city, because when you are living in the city, you are a hustler. Even just walking, you walk so fast. And when I was there, and they were like, "Wow, you are different." And I'm like, "I, I can feel I'm different." Well, more than half your life has been in another country now, right? So yeah. yeah. So. What do you do for fun? You said your your brother and family is in the area. You've got some roots there.、Uh, what do you do when you're not being the bridge between our customers and、uh, the company? Well, I I think well, not that I think. I know I am very family oriented、um, because of my culture, and I. Spend a lot of time with my brother's kids because he has three. They are quite handful, <laughs> but now they are growing up, and I am. I feel like I have more spare time in my life now.、Um, Pre-pandemic, I would probably spend a little more time over in Boston because that's where my friends are. And after pandemic, I. Found myself has been picking up some baking. Baking. Yeah. <laughs> What kind of baking? Um, mostly out of the box. <laughs> okay. All right. That's a good place to start, right? I know. I am not good with baking, and I'm a great cook. I'm just not good with baking. So I, but I I love to eat sweet, like pastry. I am a bake. Pastry person, yeah. So I love to bake, but I haven't found much success. <laughs> do the people that consume what you make in the kitchen do they agree that you're a good cook, Ying? Yeah, yeah. yeah.、Right. That's good. That's good. Do you have a specialty? Are you like do you do you do like old school kind of Chinese dishes that have been handed down,、oh, or is it no 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 it's 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 a Western flair to your cuisine. I guess、um, <laughs> I can make some traditional food, but anything involve like cutting up, gutting like fishes, I I, I can't do that. Like.、Um, Or chopping, like preparing, even like cutting chicken. I have a hard time like cutting chicken. I I love my ingredient to be well prepared before I come to the kitchen. Okay. <laughs> so that's um that might be a little difficult, but I do. I love cooking. I love making pasta. I'm actually a big pasta person. I probably will prefer to eat. Most of my meals as pasta than Chinese, <laughs> but I can actually do Chinese, Japanese, 
some Korean, yeah, some Vietnamese, and Italian. Am I wrong about this? I feel like I read somewhere years ago that while we think of Italy as the quote home of pasta, it actually started in China a long, long time ago. Am I wrong about that? I think we. I heard about that too. I don't think so. I really don't think pasta started there. No. We we may have started noodles, but I don't know if I can claim pasta as part of our culture. Yeah. Okay. Well, I won't put that on you to to make that claim. Then, are there foods that you miss? Like do you do you long for that? Like your trips back to Hong Kong? Are there places that you know you want to go with your friends right away? This is where um. Where I was born came from. That's the root of、um, how it influenced me. Even when I was living in Hong Kong, where I have told you, I do even living in Hong Kong, I do feel like my household is a little different from the rest of the Hong Kongese. I think it's because even in my household, we cook. My mom. To make the traditional Fujianese food, so I feel like growing up, that the Fujianese culture has do play a little in me. So I don't feel like when I go to Hong Kong, there is one specific food that I miss about Hong Kong. There is a lot because the food in Hong Kong is great, but I think food wise, I miss more. From the place where I was born. Okay. Well, that dovetails into my next question, which happens to be the first of the three questions, Ying, that we ask at the end of every Getting to Know podcast. So I'm curious on this first one in particular. What would you say can always be found at all times in your refrigerator? Oh. By far, it's my lemon tea. It's my childhood lemon tea. You will find me with this lemon tea everywhere. <laughs> Even during our company's meeting, people will be like, "Oh, where's your lemon tea?" I'm like, "Oh, it's right here," and I will show them. So, for those of you in the listening audience, recognizing this is an audio experience, Ying is holding up a juice box. It's a rectangular shaped juice box. With a straw coming out of it, much like what many of us may have seen as children when our parents helped us pack a lunch or something like that. So I haven't seen a juice box configured just like that, Ying, in a long time. So is that a specific brand? Are you going to Amazon to find that, or is that coming from Hong Kong, or what? What is that? This juice box is well. They call it the lemon tea, but actually, it has a lot of sugar. Probably why I'm always hyper all the time. <laughs> but no, um, it's actually travel all the way to America from Hong Kong. All right. And I got them from the Chinese supermarket. And lately, it has been very difficult to source this because of the global logistic issues that we are facing. Yeah. Well, see, you got lemon tea and pulp and paper and、yeah. silicone, all kinds of problems, right? Right. <laughs> all right. Okay. Second question for you: Amongst those Ying who know you well, what would you say you're most famous for? There is a lot of things I'm famous for. I think people find me very entertaining, especially when I stop butchering the American phrase. <laughs> 
I'm not good with it. <laughs> oh, yeah? Like, what would be an example? Is it like you taking two phrases and blending them together? Uh, messing up the words and arguing with people about their American phrase. I, For example, this is the part where I still argue with people to this day is when Americans say you can't have a cake and eat it too, I understand what it means. But I don't understand why can't I have a cake and eat it too? Because I can tell you, when I go to Cheesecake Factory and I like a cake, I will get two pieces. I will eat it and still have a cake. Well, I, like, I like that. I mean, what I'm hearing from you is you're not like an either or person. You're an and person. I, I think that's great. Good for you. Good for you. And I think you've just proven that old phrase incorrect. Right? So that's, that's good. I like that. That is both entertaining and appropriately argumentative, I think. So, all right. Last question for you, Ying. Uh, what would you say you are most looking forward to right this very moment? Um, this podcast is coming to an end. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to tell you, as you know, with the recent announcement around the merger, we're getting to the end of this version of the Getting to Know podcast. We'll come back bigger and better than ever here at some point. But you are going to be, I think, the only one who will ever admit that they are most looking forward to this thing being over. <laughs> wow. Well, part of me, yes, wanting this podcast to be over so I can go back to hustling with my workplace. Um, yeah, fair enough. We like that. And But no, honestly, I think I am very much looking forward to summer. I feel like I've been living in the cold for a whole year. We were up in Massachusetts about a month ago and got like eight inches of snow where we were. So, yeah, it was I, I can imagine it now being at the time of recording middle of April. I bet you are ready for that. Oh, yeah, I am very much so. The past couple of days has been so cold and I feel like I cannot ever put my winter coat away. Yeah, well, good for you. <laughs> Well, Ying, I've enjoyed getting to know you and a little bit about your background and perspective. I appreciate you taking time with us today on the Getting to Know podcast and for giving us some perspective on Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month and sharing your experiences with us. Well, thank you for the invite. I'm glad to be here and sharing my culture and who I am. We enjoy it. Appreciate the time. You get back to the hustle. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Ying. For those of you in the listening audience, thanks for your time, and we'll talk to you again here in a couple more weeks. 